Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, week three, is that right, of the head coaching search? I believe that is correct. I'm Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison. Is across the way. We're uh, getting into the back half of the second interviews for the Colts. Um, again, a very fluid situation. I guess when you get into this part of any search, you could have some finality to it um, relatively soon, but at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if it got into you know next week. But again, once you get to second interviews, I do think you can kind of close the door on some things. So it'll be interesting to see how stuff picks up from a pace standpoint here. Uh, Eddie, always good to see you, man. How are you? Likewise, I am splendid. How are you, man? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I'm good. You know, obviously the AFC did its part in providing an entertaining game. Um, You know, you watch both those games, I think there are elements you can take away and point to uh, where the Colts need to bolster their roster, et cetera, et cetera. I know we talked a lot about the the quarterbacks and the offensive-minded head coaches in the Final Four. I think you're reminded, Eddie, watching those games – how great the wide receiver and tight end talent. Tight end, I think, doesn't get enough attention. Some mm-hmm. great tight ends on those final four teams. Um, you got to have support there. And, you know, when you think of Philly in the Super Bowl, I think back to what they did the week before playing Indianapolis this year. And if you remember that week, they had just given up how many on the ground to Washington on Monday Night Football? I mean, it was all this worry about, oh my gosh, the Eagles can't stop the run and this is going to be the issue. I think a lot of people honestly started to point to a San Francisco matchup in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. What would San Francisco's rushing attack do to them? And they go out and they get Linval Linval Joseph, they get Ndamukong Sue that week, and it was a very committed approach to saying, we are going to make a massive in-season change to addressing an issue for our football team. And you watch their defensive line, man, and they play in waves, uh, which I know is a big Chris Bauer belief. Um, and then Hassan Reddick, a guy the Colts really liked coming out of the drafts in 2017. I really think if Reddick would have been there, I think he went like a pick or two earlier. Uh, I want to say Arizona. Um, I think if he would have been there, there would have been some heavy debate on him or Malik Hooker. At number 15, it surprised me that Reddick and the Colts did not have more interest mutually in free agency each of the last two years. I thought Reddick would have made a whole lot of sense for you. And obviously, he made the play of the game with the Purdy fumble. So, looking forward to the Super Bowl coming up here in a few weeks, man. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's a good one. I hope it's uh, the best playoff game is yet to come because some of these games just haven't been. I know wild card, wild card, we had some good games. Yeah. Divisional round week, like we said, the championship weekend kind of split. Good news on Arizona Super Bowls. Malcolm Butler, interception. David Tyree catch. The last two Super Bowls we've had. In and if I go baha- further than that, James Harrison, correct? I, is that, uh, yeah, that would have been Steelers Cardinals. Yeah. Um, I thought. I, I don't maybe? think that was there because that would have been Arizona playing in their own building, right? Yeah. I don't know. Why am I thinking that was in? Didn't they have? Didn't Pittsburgh have a Super Bowl in Detroit? I don't know if it was that one or if it was the one where they beat the Colts the same year as Roethlisberger and uh, and Nick Harper. Uh, obviously, a lot of head coaching stuff we're going to get into on today's podcast. I uh, do want to begin with the Jonathan Taylor stuff. Did you find that? That was Raymond James Stadium. Raymond James. That was outdoors. I always thought it was indoors. Yeah, me too. That play. Uh, let's start with just quickly on the Jonathan Taylor surgery news. I was just a little surprised because Chris Bauer gave the impression at the season-ending presser that he was kind of leaning towards wouldn't need surgery. But Taylor mentioned Shocker. a bunch of junk in there from all the wear and tear over the last couple of years. And, you know, Eddie, when you think about running backs collegiately in the NFL that have carried the football a lot over the last two years or over the last five to six years, I mean, Taylor's right up there with anybody. Um, so I think this is always just a question you have. I know it's a guy that takes uber care of his body and all of this but you know this is this is why paying running backs a lot of money is always just a bit concerning and um, I get that you know off-season surgeries are probably a little bit more popular than you would think I think the good news is you've made a decision here to have surgery and you've had surgery and the month is still January Mm -hmm. I get that all medical situations are different Eddie but two things stick out to me with the Colts and medical issues that have really hurt the franchise and the player in the past. I think Andrew Luck, and I think a lot of this was honestly luck-driven. 
Luck electing to rehab his shoulder issue after the 2015 season. Played 2016 with a rehab shoulder. Uh, missed what? I think it was like a Thursday practice every week is what he would sit out during that year. And then he ended up having the labrum surgery fall in the 2016 season. So you could have had it 12 months earlier. You elected to push it out a year. I think that was an issue for him. And then obviously when you look at Shaquille Leonard last year, he's up there in May saying, I think we're done with surgery. And then less than a month later, he's having surgery yeah. on his back. June surgeries are never good for NFL players. Just frankly from the calendar of when the season unfolds. So the fact that Taylor is having this done or had it done in January, I think is a good thing. But how does this not come up in contract negotiations? You know, it's just a clean bill of health versus just having a surgically repaired ankle, I think has to factor at some level. I don't think it'll be massive, but if you're Chris Ballard, I think you have to have some pause here. Again, I don't think Ballard necessarily will, but I think it's something you got to discuss. You think they are all in on building around Jonathan Taylor offensively, knowing uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I don't want to. I don't want to say he's not a one because there are so many different variations and definition right. of it. But like, I think they are. Yeah, I think they are all in. And honestly, Eddie, it's almost to a degree of like, don't they have to be? I mean, assuming your first round pick is quarterback. I mean, I guess you could not resign Taylor. You could just flat out not do that. Um, but I, I, I would be surprised if they did not resign both Taylor and Pittman. Uh, one thing to note: Zach Moss under contract for next season. For those that care, so I thought Zach Moss did a nice job. I did too. Late December, early January, so he'll play out his rookie contract. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, you want to transition now into some of the latest head coaching news regarding around the league before we, you know, microscope down to Indianapolis? Exactly, yeah. That's exactly where I want to go to next. And again, we are recording this late Tuesday morning. Um, not official yet, D'Amico Ryans to the Texans, but yeah, it seems it's, like. It just seems really likely because he pulled his name out in Denver, and I think the, which left Houston as the only other team he interviewed with, correct? I know Houston's always like Jonathan Gannon. You saw him post-game, the Eagles defensive coordinator, say that he was staying in Philly. I think something to note about the AFC South right now, Eddie. For the first time in a long time, the Colts will look around the division, and they're going to see three teams that have hope. And somewhat legitimate hope obviously varying degrees of hope but right now if you're a Colts fan and let's say D'Amico Ryans is the new head coach in Houston you would be more than pleased with any of those three coaches as your coach wouldn't you easily and Mike Vrabel and Doug Peterson and D'Amico Ryans the quarterback situations you would sign up for Trevor Lawrence I would think and obviously depending on what Houston does you know I think a lot of people feel like Houston's going to go Bryce Young D'Amico Ryans has the Alabama connection. If you look at the Deshaun Watson kind of looming cloud of that organization, C.J. Stroud's agent, I believe, is from the Watson camp. I do think that would be a factor that you have mm-hmm. to acknowledge there. So I think Colts fans probably like hearing that. You know, they go Bryce Young. You know, Colts maybe go C.J. Stroud, something along those lines. But if you look at the quarterbacks, again, this is not just Ryan Tannehill, question mark on Lawrence, and Davis Mills. You know, it's a little different. And Tennessee probably has the biggest question of the three. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, we'll see about the Malik Willis development, which definitely needs a lot more. But it's just a different hope AFC South than I think you are used to. Um, so, again, as of right now, let's say Ryan's to Houston. You've got Arizona and Denver open. Denver seems very odd how that process has gone. Um, and if you look at the Colts, they've kind of shifted from the defensive candidates we saw last week and Jeff Saturday, I guess, is in his own little world. Ajero um, Evero, Raheem Morris. Then you kind of got into the leader candidates. Wink Martindale, think Bruce Arians, Rich Bisaccia. People laud his leadership. And now you're getting into the offensive candidates in Shane Sykin and Brian Callahan. So we're kind of seeing the shift of all of that there. Um, if we want to go over the whole list quickly, Eddie, the names we have not seen yet who have intervie- interviewed initially but have not reportedly gotten a second interview. Obviously, Ben Johnson and Dan Quinn pulled their own names out. Mm-hmm. 
Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs. Mike Kafka with the Giants. Bubba Ventrone, Colts. We'll see if any of those names appear on a second interview. But as of right now, we have not seen them. So that would leave, I guess, seven. Jeff Saturday, Evero, Morris, Martindale, Basaccia, Steichen, and Callahan. Martindale getting a second interview is even more surprising to me. Yeah, and again, I want to get into each of those in just a second. Before we break down each of them, Eddie, I'll throw this in. Again, predicting what Jim Irsay is going to do is a foolish game, but I do think the longer this goes, more things cool on Jeff Saturday. I'm not in the line of thinking that Colts are bringing in 36 candidates to say that they vetted everyone and then they're going to hire Jeff Saturday. I know (laughs) there are some people that like maybe wake up at night and I think it would be a nightmare based off of most Colts fans have let me know their opinion on Jeff Saturday. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily what we're seeing here. I think I think things have cooled a little bit on that thought. But again, it's Jim Mercy, so you never truly know. Um, I'd like to throw this little nugget in there before we transition uh, to some Colts second interview candidates. Um, a a thing to monitor here with the D'Amico Ryan situation is it was reported by uh, Tom Pelissero, I believe on Sunday, that Vic Fangio was taking the defensive coordinator job with the Miami Dolphins. Well, yesterday, uh, I don't know if Fangio came out and said this, but there hasn't been an actual agreement pinned to paper that he will become their defensive coordinator because of his level of interest in San Francisco because of his prior connection, uh, I guess, somewhere down the line with Kyle Shanahan. So if you see D'Amico, if you don't see, I, I think, a Vic Fangio signing with Miami within the coming days, I think that's more telling that D'Amico Ryans, in fact, will be moving elsewhere, uh, specifically to Houston as their head coach. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think something else to point out, Again, as of us recording this so far, we've seen Frank Reich make two hires. I think we had a Reich-specific question, so I'll kind of save my Panther thoughts there. Uh, he's retaining the special teams coordinator, Chris Tabor, in Carolina, and I believe their offensive line coach, James Campen. So Colts fans probably feel joy in both of those moves because one, well, I guess joy and sadness. Sadness is they were hoping that they'd take Chris Strasser with them as the offensive line coach. Uh I did not expect Chris Strasser to be retained here in Indy. But obviously that means Bubba Ventrone is not going to Carolina. So could Bubba Ventrone be a candidate to be retained here by the new coaching staff? I think that's good news, considering my thoughts on Bubba. Um, so that'll be something to continue to monitor as Frank builds a staff. And what happens with Gus Bradley? You know, I think he's under contract here in Indy, so you get into the will you allow him to interview other places and or once a new coach is hired – you know, who's making that call in defensive coordinator? Or who's making the call just coordinators, period? Chris Boward and Josh McDaniels, there was some collaboration on that staff. Um, obviously, Frank Reich didn't have total overseeing of who he hired on his staff. Um, so I assume Boward would give the new head coach full autonomy, but he's built this defense specifically for a four-man front. Would that give a guy like Evero some pause in that he was a 3-4 coach in Denver last year? Those are all things you have to keep in mind. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, you already mentioned these three candidates getting second interviews. Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator of the New York Giants. Rich Basaccia, the special teams coordinator of the Las, or not the Las Vegas Raiders, the Green Bay Packers, former interim coach with the Las Vegas Raiders, and offensive coordinator of the NFC champions, Shane Steichen. And let's tag Callahan in at the end, but let's let's go in that order. Uh, you said you had a Martindale comment? That, that yeah, it's to? just surprising to me that he's getting a second interview. I thought he was the wild card guy from the get-go that got an interview because I don't think he's interviewed anywhere else. I don't think he's even interviewed anywhere else in his previous history in the NFL of, being, of becoming a head coach. Yeah, I thought maybe the Giants a couple years ago, but but yeah, he certainly has not been a hot candidate. Um you know, talking to Chuck Pagano, I guess this would have been about a week and a half ago, um, and him and Martindale worked with the Raiders together, if you're going way back, um, and then obviously both, for different stints, worked under John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Um, 
Chuck uses Gus. Uh, excuse me, uses Bruce Arians as a comparison for Wink Martindale. Chris Bauer really likes Bruce Arians. Jim Irsay really likes Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see why that type of personality would be something they would want to see again. Um, and Eddie, I guess it boils down to this question: Is the hire more offense, or is it more leader? Yeah. Ideally, you're finding a combination of both. But if it's more leader, that's where I think you're seeing a Martindale or a... Passaccia. Rich Passaccia. Why is Jeff Saturday even being floated around as a candidate? It's not because of the on-the-field stuff that he did in eight games as head coach. It's because of what they think of him as a leader. So I think we have to keep that in mind throughout this. I was talking with someone in the Giants organization a few weeks back and basically said Wink is a... Like, loves Wink Martindale. Like, big juice guy... Great teacher. He's the freaking man. I mean, if you watch his... Honestly, if you watch him and Mike Kafka side by side, they're very different personalities. Mm-hmm. Kafka, it's almost like, boy, he's a brainiac offensively. How well would he connect with an entire roster? Martindale, it's this crazy aggressive blitz scheme. Again, you just it screams Bruce Arians' vibes. Obviously, the question with hiring him would be, what are you doing offensively? Um, no risk it, no biscuit. Exactly. To quote Bruce Arians on that one. He's got some Midwest ties, but yeah, Wink Martindale, 59 years old. That interview reportedly over the weekend. Interesting. All right, candidate number two uh, that received a second interview since our last pod, Rich Passaccia. Again, this is leader, leader, leader. Is that your wedding ring? Yeah, I like to play with it. My fingers have gotten fat since I got married, so it doesn't really fit very well. I thought you were trying to throw it away over there or something. No, that was... I was about to say... uh, Yeah, that would not be good. My brother-in-law, Ross, is probably questioning his brother-in-law right now, listening to this interview. Ross, I'll find it. It's on the ground somewhere. Um, Tremendous leader. And again, I know this sounds cliche, and you hear the phrase leader of men, Eddie, and people probably want to puke at that, and it's probably an overused phrase. It matters to the decision makers of the Indianapolis Colts. It matters a whole lot. So we're going to continue to bring it up because that's the criteria that we are going off of. And if you want to talk about a head coaching job and you want to talk about an interim job that's opposite of Jeff Saturday, look what Rich Passaccia did last year with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had horrific off-the-field issues. A coach obviously resigning very early in the season. And they win four in a row to end the season. They come here to Lucas Oil and beat the Colts. They go to the playoffs. And, you know, they gave Cincinnati a hell of a game in that wild card round. They easily could have won that game in Cincinnati. Uh, so, Basachi again, defines that sort of – and you talk to people that have been on his staff. They're like, this dude can lead. You know, his resume pretty much screams special teams coordinator, assistant head coach. He ironically was that for uh, – Raheem Morris mm-hmm. in Tampa, if you yeah. want to go way back um, to Raheem Morris's days as the head coach there. The biggest Chris Ballard connection here that I see is Rod Marinelli, the mm-hmm. longtime Bear, Cowboy, longtime defensive line coach probably is, is a better way to describe it in the league. Chris Ballard loves him, totally respects him. Big reason why Matt Eberflus was the defensive coordinator choice here in Indy. Marinelli's with the Raiders last year when they went through all of that. Saw firsthand what Passaccia did. That matters to Chris Boward. I mean, he's got arguably one of the most, you know, important respected voices for Ballard. And again, he saw that with the Raiders last year. So I think that's why you're seeing him um, on this list. Wasn't the DB's coach also there in yeah, Vegas? Yeah, Ron Milas that was there. Yeah. Um, you got Richard Smith, the linebackers coach. Gus Bradley, of course, was there. Yeah. So you've got a lot of guys that were there with the Raiders. So obviously they would have um, some intel into that. Uh, final interview, Shane Steichen. I think he was the front runner or one of the front runners for both you and I as to whom we would like to see take over the head coaching role for the Indianapolis Colts because of the work he's done with Jalen Hurts and the play calling that he's done with that Eagles offense over the course of the last season and a half. Hey, my ring really fell to the other side of the room there. I thought that was quite the workout having to go run that down. Yeah, it stalled a little bit for you yeah, there. Yeah, you did a beautiful job of that. I appreciate it. Ring still fits. I'm going to play with it a little bit longer, though. Um, okay, Shane Steichen, Eddie. Um, like you said, the only play caller. Of all these names, again, Brian Callahan, Eric Eric Bieniemy, not play, not calling the plays. Ben Johnson, of course, does do that, but he's withdrawn his name. So, you know, I'm not. I, I probably was in 
in past years, Eddie, and credit to Nick Sirianni for opening my eyes to this, I probably was a little bit more on the, I would like to see a candidate that's a coordinator call plays. Because that means you have a whole lot of responsibility on game days. There's a lot of pressure on you. So, therefore, my thought is you could handle more of the pressure that becomes with being a head coach. But again, you've seen coaches around the league that have been successful. Um, I mean, Zach Taylor being one of them that you know did not do this on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, with Steichen, I think the things that you like, you certainly like the style of quarterbacks he's been around. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Jalen Hurts. Justin Herbert for a year as his offense coordinator. Prior to that, it was Phillip Rivers. Um, sounds like him and Rivers remain very close to this day. And when I think of Phillip Rivers, I think of extremely intellectual football player. So that means you're going to get quite a mind with Shane Steichen. He comes from the Frank Reich tree a little bit too with the Chargers. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously Frank is a big time football mind and a little bit more into kind of the, you know, kind of the the whole chess match and I don't know, maybe nerd aspect to, to football, which again, I say that as a compliment. The question you would have is again, are you connecting fully to everybody on that roster? I thought Sirianni. That was one of his biggest strengths as a coach, um, and clearly he's had that with Philly. Uh, but in terms of quarterback background, this is not a very nice resume. Very nice resume. Different ages, different styles. Nick Sirianni hands the play calling duties to him last year after realizing it's too much on his plate, and Steichen, of course, has handled that very, very well. So, um, you know, he doesn't have... 10 years of history with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. I, there's an element of there's one of 32, and you know Nick Sirianni's reaction to what happened here in Indianapolis with Frank Reich and Jim Mercer firing him, I don't think that would be like the biggest con. I don't think Nick Sirianni's like, dude, you can't go there because they fired our guy Frank. I, I don't think Nick Sirianni's saying that, but I am curious what type of intel Nick Sirianni is giving. Shane Steichen and or Frank Reich about Chris Ballard and the Colts organization. All right, yeah, 14 offensive-minded head coaches in the NFL. How many? Really? Yes. How many of those? Certainly been the new trend as of late. How many of those do not call plays? Ooh, that's a good one. Do you know that? Uh, There's one that I don't know 100% on, so... So, Dable does not. Okay, so then that's the one I did not know on, so... Sirianni does not. Uh, You want to throw the other names at me? Well, you got one, Eagles. There's only two teams. Oh, there's only two in the whole league? Yeah, there's only two teams where the offensive-minded head coach does not call the plays. So, obviously, Andy Reid calls them, Kyle Shanahan calls them, Sean McVay calls them, Mike McDaniels calls them. Dallas. Dallas is about to call him. Well, yeah, I was just going based off of this yeah. season. But Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni were the only two offensive-minded head coaches, and Dave also three, where that did not call plays. And ironically, all three coaches are in the same division. Yeah, Mike 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 McCarthy calls him. Now with Kellen Moore gone. Ah, I'm sorry. Doug Peterson calls him. Yeah. I, for some reason, Mike McCarthy's face is popping in my head. Uh, I thought one thing that was interesting, Eddie – you look back on this past season, and again, I know it's a small sample size, and if you look at the head coaches that were hired in last year's coaching cycle, uh, let me see if I can find this. I want to make sure that I get the exact record right. Basically, and I, I can't find it, basically you had eight head coaches hired last year, five offensive, three defensive. The five offensive coaches combined to go like 45, 30, and 1. Three of the five made the playoffs. Doug Peterson, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dable. Of the three defensive coaches you hired, they combined to go like 18 and 30. Now, again, it's a small sample size. Yeah. But that is pretty drastic to the offensive side versus the defense. You want to go back a year prior, it's not as drastic, but look who's coaching the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni and the offensive mind. So it goes back to that original question we had. What do the Colts want? Offense or leaders? I tell is, you it, what. is it 80-20 one way or the other? Again, I, I think it's a lot of leader. 
in their eyes. But it's it's just a question that you have to have because this trend of the NFL, it's hard to like argue against what is left standing. And I yeah. know people are up in arms, and I get it. Steve Wilkes did a hell of a job. But if you're Carolina, and in the history of your franchise, if you've never hired an offensive-minded head coach. Really? Never hired one. Wow. George Seifert, Ron Rivera, Matt Rule, et cetera, et cetera. Even Steve Wilkes. Matt Rule was an offensive? I thought he was. I don't think so. Well, I guess I maybe NFL offensive-minded, if you want to get technical on it. Um, I can see why. They ha- and if you look at their candidate list, it was all pretty much offense. I mean, they had to recount more. Mm-hmm. So that is a trend that you obviously saw from them, and I can see why they went they went down that that path. Looks like Rule's got a little bit of a mix on the resume. He was offense coordinator uh, at Temple and the o- assistant O line coach for the Giants, but um, from an NFL offensive mind, that is not the route that Carolina had been going in their history. So. It's just it's the unfortunate side of the business, you know. Don't don't tell your kids to be running backs, and you know, tell your kids to coach on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, and tell them to be relievers in Major League Baseball. Oh yeah, no kidding. Uh, are you ready for some Twitter questions? Yeah, We've let, been stockpiling let, these. Yeah, I know we have been. Let's quickly just mention Brian Callahan um, because it sounds like he will be well, Wednesday tomorrow. Is, is that the report again? We we're that's what I saw. Yeah. Albert Breer says Wednesday. Yeah, maybe Arizona on Thursday for Callahan. So obviously he doesn't call plays. You know, does a whole lot of game playing. I think he called plays in the preseason at times. That's not even something Sirianni did here in in, in Indy. Um, you look at the quarterback background, Eddie. Peyton Manning for nearly a handful of years. Derek Carr's position coach. Matthew Stafford's position coach. And of course, most recently with Joe Burrow. So he's been around great quarterbacks. You can probably look at the Cincinnati offensive situation and look at it two ways. You want to be skeptical about Brian Callahan? You'll say, hell, I could coach that offense. They got so much talent. I also think you can look at that on the flip side. At times, I think Frank Reich walked into Chris Ballard's kitchen and said, oh yeah, I could cook something up here with these ingredients. And didn't necessarily go to the cupboard and say, nope, I need more. Yeah, I need different. Brian Callahan is coming from probably the most loaded skill group in the NFL, if you Mm -hmm. were to take the job here. I think he'd be saying to Chris Ballard, we need some dudes. Dudes. All caps lock. Dudes. So that, I think, would be good news. Because I just don't think Frank, and maybe this is not Frank's personality, I think at times you kind of got to demand a little bit more in that personnel department, particularly at the skill group there. Um, You know, if you look at Cincinnati this year, Eddie, Jamar Chase was gone for a month, and they won three or four games. Joe Mixon was out for a few games. They won both of those games. And they've adapted well without having just an exactly healthy cupboard the entire time. So I do think that is something um, to note. Obviously, his dad being an NFL head coach, I I like that. You know, it's a guy that's been in the business. He knows good, bad. He's seen a whole lot in his career. I I, I think that is a good thing. Um so yeah, I, I, Callahan's a name you guys have heard me talk about for a couple months now. Um, he would be a one that would certainly, I think it's a good thing that the Colts are taking another look at him. Good, me too. Now are we ready for some Twitter? We are. Sorry, 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 sorry. All good. Yes. Twitter time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Zach is up first. I'm curious what your ideal and realistic coaching hires would be for head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coach. Mine would be Raheem Morris for head coach, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, uh, Ejero Evero for defensive coordinator, and Bubba Ventrone for special teams coach. Even two of those four would be great. Love the pod. Ooh, I like this, Zach. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then uh, I think... Um yeah, that's a good one here. Um, Raheem Morris, I can I can get behind. Um, now with that staff, you know I could I could probably sub Callahan for enemy or you know both of them are kind of in the same boat. They don't call plays. Um, you know, do you feel like there's more on Callahan's plate? 
given the quarterback background, Bienemy doesn't necessarily have the quarterback centric stuff. And I think you got to point that out considering the draft pick that's upcoming. The only issue I would have with Zach and Eddie, again, I'll have this issue with any defensive hire. You just worry about the offensive system leaving. Yeah. And I get that it's a good problem to have because at some point it means you've had great offensive success to the point that other teams covet what you're doing offensively and that coach. Um, so how about this? How about how about I go Steichen or Callahan as your head coach? The D coordinator is Evero. Now again, you got to acknowledge you're probably making a bit of a defensive system change. Evero's got a lot of experience in different systems, but that's worth pointing out. Which I don't. I don't think that's the end of the world for me. That's more of a Chris Ballard issue. And special teams, obviously, Bubba. I kind of like that. Is it weird to you that we have offensive and defensive coordinator, but it's special teams coach? <laughs> I mean, I guess technically they're all coordinators, right? Right. Yeah, they all. They all. They all are. I don't know. It was just hit me there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blake's question is next. Chris Ballard is well documented in being steadfast in his approach to roster building and defensive scheme. Uh, throughout this interview process, do you believe that he is more open-minded to outside ideas as he meets with head coaching candidates? We'll get into the other ones next. I just thought we'd go one by one here. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I think it's... I think he's been humbled a bit. You know, I, I get that vibe, but like, I don't know, is that me putting faith in that? Um, I think in any way, shape, or form, Eddie, when you get people in positions of authority, the willingness to adapt, the willingness to admit that you're wrong can be really difficult. And honestly, it's probably a human flaw we all have. But again, particularly people in those positions of authority. Again, in this market, I think I've made this analogy before. I mean, Kevin Pritchard, the Pacers president, was in a similar boat, I think, a year ago right now, into saying, oh man, Turner Sabonis, enough is enough. And the injury-prone, you know, kind of mid to late 20 guys, maybe they, they aren't the right guys. We're not very athletic in terms of an NBA team. And credit to Kevin Pritchard. Again, you could argue it took maybe a year or two longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. But at some point, he said enough was enough. You could argue with Ballard it's taken a year or two longer than it should have. Will he say enough is enough? And will he do something drastic? I think that's a question that you have right now. Uh, Blake has some other questions here. He wants to know if you have any insight on the kind of discussions that are taking place right now during these interviews. And do you think Brian Decker... Uh, has a role within these interviews like he does with draft candidates. Appreciate the pod as always. I even started tuning into the morning show this past year. Oh, let's go, Blake. Go Irish. <laughs> Love it. Go Irish indeed. But big win over Louisville. It's a blue blood win on the Notre Dame basketball resume on Saturday. Louisville is the worst college basketball team I think I've seen in the history of the sport. No shock, a Notre Dame fan would ask so many great questions here. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, thank you for that, Blake. Yes, I would think Brian Decker is heavily involved. Uh, personality guy, for those unfamiliar with that name. You know, you, you hear these 10, 11-hour interviews, Eddie. I'm like, God, my eyes are bleeding. I could barely make it through 10 minutes of a class in college. Why do you think they eat for lunch or dinner? I know, exactly. I'm like, please tell me they're like, you know, the waiters, you know, not bringing their food out right away so the coach can just get an extra hour or two outside of the complex. You know, I think you're obviously talking about Roster, staff, your approach to coaching, your schedule, how you want to run practice, how you want to run training camp, your beliefs in the draft, your beliefs in free agency. You think they're watching film at all? Maybe some of that. I think you're talking some situational stuff. And remember, I I don't know this 100% sure, but I'm under the impression Jim Irsay was not involved in the initial interviews, but is involved in these. So it's also... Part of it is just you got to introduce that person to Ursay. Yeah, that didn't happen in the first interview, which we know how Jim can go. I mean, you know, Jim Jim can talk a little bit. So um, I think all of that plays into. I I would like to think this is not just ten straight hours of a back and forth. I would like to think there are some breaks in there for some meals, uh, maybe a shower or two, a shower, uh, <laughs> maybe a workout. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but I think all of those things are on the table. Honestly. It, it, it's a great question. It's a question that I think I know, but it's a question that at some point, if and when we're able to talk to these people, um, I'd like to throw their way. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but 
for clarity purposes, you don't have any insight in what these discussions are about, do you? Or how they're going about them? What do you mean? Uh, Blake's question, do you have any insight on the kind of discussions that take place during these interviews? Well, I, I, I think I think that stuff. I think it's like, okay, this is the staff I like. This is what I believe free agency. This is what I believe draft-wise. These are the schedules that I feel like make sense. Um you know, this is what I think of some of your personnel. This is what I think of from afar, what we've thought about your operation. Hey, when I was at this stop previously, I really liked what we did here. I wasn't allowed to implement it on my next stop, but what do you think about this? Again, and these are all brilliant conversations to have and why I am A-OK with Chris Bauer taking his time. Yeah. Because there might be something that Evero says about his philosophy about training camp that Shane Steichen says the opposite. And you might say to Shane Steichen, have you ever thought about this? And Steichen says, huh, no, I haven't. But that might be something we could implement. Mix and match. And vice versa for right, like... Right, right, yeah. So I have... You are just picking and choosing, I think, ideas that you like, and it's a great opportunity to take intel. And, you know, honestly, selfishly, if you're a Ballard or you're an Ed Dodds or you're one of these people in those interviews, you're also taking intel on these candidates. Because at some point, Eddie, everybody changes jobs in this business. Yeah. So you're also thinking down the road. Or, again, in the building out a coaching staff standpoint that Zach mentioned in the previous question, maybe Evero is a coordinator. Maybe Bubba Ventrone is going to be retained. Those are, And then, okay, tell me what staff members you like around the league. Okay, let's keep those names in mind. All of it. I was going to ask you something, but I can't remember what it was now. So I'll just move on to Tyler's question. Hey, Kevin, I'm just curious if you think keeping Chris Ballard helps or hinders the job search as – He's uh, got major say in terms of roster building. Do you think prospective coaches are being honest in terms of what they think about the team's roster? I'm worried that coaches going into the interviews won't give an honest opinion on it as the man who built it is asking the questions. Help us fans feel better that if a decision comes down to between the perfect coach who wants change and a lesser coach who doesn't, that the right choice will be made. But this is, of course, assuming the Colts believe it was the coach, not the roster, who's to blame for the season as Ballard was retained. Thank you. Yeah, it's an interesting question, Tyler. Thank you for that. I mean, you have to put your ego to the side. You have to, have to, have to. Um, I would like to think he could do that, and i like to think he would do that, and keep it in open form and making sure that those conversations can be had. Um and I think he will. I, you know, Chris Bauer strikes me as a guy that that is capable of doing that. I know he hasn't been, maybe as much in years past, but um, I think he could be. Um, you mentioned Ed Dodds and Ursay and Ballard being in these interviews. How many total people do you think from the question. front office are in there? Yeah, that's a great question. I throw obviously Carly Ursay. I, I think will have been in all of the initial interviews. I, I think she's probably the Ursay representative in those initial. I'd assume if Kalen Ursay can make it work, uh, Kalen Jackson, um, the youngest daughter, mm-hmm. you know, the the oldest and the youngest daughters are the two most involved of the three. I would think now she would be in some of these second interviews. I know at times she's been out of town here recently, but I think she could make that work. Uh, I assume Pete Ward, their COO, yeah, long time Ursay confident that's been here since the move. From Baltimore, he would be in there as well. I'm sure you have some sort of legal representative in there. Um, but yes, yeah, those are probably the names. How many uh, is that? Six or seven. Well, and the the other thing, and welcome to 2023, Eddie. Uh, but all those initial interviews were likely on Zoom. So, I mean, hell, you got people in your organization to watch them. I mean, I'm sure there's representatives in the public relations department or HR department or, you know, other departments that, hey, you know, you mind taking a look at this? And if some of those Zooms, you know, initially... If Shane Steichen makes a good impression on you in 20 minutes, why do you need to talk to him any longer in the first interview? If you know you're going to bring him in for a second, don't waste his time. He's getting ready for a huge football game. Yeah. Move on. Good point. I was just curious if it, you think any of these players have been in it, but it doesn't uh, sound like that. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody in the roster qualifies as that, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is a player rep. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Jordan says, hey, KB, if the Colts hire someone like Raheem Morris – Will the scheme change? And if so, how is that going to affect some of the players that have been locked in already contractually, like a DeForest Buckner, a Shaquille Leonard, et cetera, et cetera? You know, to that question you just asked me, Eddie, hell yeah, I would have a player rep. Yeah, 
I, I, I would. Obviously, there are players that want to have their off time in the offseason. Shaq? They might not want to. Honestly, the first name was Sarah Franklin that came to mind. Um, yeah, I, I, I would want to have a player rep just at, at, out of curiosity. I know some might say, oh, it's a slippery slope. You know, what if that player comes away saying, I really like this candidate, and you end up hiring a new candidate? How would that be in the locker room? But my initial thought is I would want that to be the case. Okay, Jordan wants to know about defensive players, the change in scheme, how that could impact it. Yeah, if they hired Raheem Morris. Yeah, I mean, well, you look at Morris, again, an extensive background defensively. You know, when he got to the Rams, Brandon Staley had such great success there that that season before taking the Chargers job. He kind of took on Brandon Staley's scheme. He's got some Tampa 2 background stuff, but he's got a variety. You know, brought up earlier Evero with the with the 3-4. Eddie, no one's untouchable on the roster. Nope. No one. I think DeForest Buckner, I would need to see a whole lot in return value to move him. I think Buckner is really, really important. Um, so he would be the one that I have questions on. But yes, Jordan, all of these defensive players. You know, Leonard, you're going to have complications medically, contractually. Uh, but all these defensive players, if you're going to make a change in the system, one of the first things that coach will do is say, "This is my system. This is what me, these are the positions I think we should pay the most, et cetera, et cetera." It's going to be a huge thing. What happened to the creativity with Frank Reich's offense? It seemed early on that Reich's creativity was a weapon, but the past year the offense became very stale. Do you think the departure of Nick Sirianni led to this? This is from Zach. Yeah, this would be one of my bigger surprises. Eddie of this past season, I felt like the Colts lacked some offensive creativity. I would agree. I thought we saw stuff in training camp, frankly, that we never even saw in a game, particularly that Hines-Taylor package. That was kind of a popular thing that we saw in camp. So I don't have a great answer for you, Zach. Um, Certainly Matt Ryan limits you a bit from what you can do from a read-run option standpoint. So maybe that plays into it, but yeah, th- that's that's a very fair statement. Uh, Osai, Osi, how are we going with this pronunciation? Osi, you, Yora, right? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Osi, and is that right? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Do you think that we will see a rise in the amount of retired players returning as coaches this off season for the organization? Are there any in particular you would like to see does not have to be a Colt? Yeah, I um Did you just get a text over there? Uh I I, I did. Nothing no, nothing urgent. No, okay. Means. Um I was about to say Rosie okay. She didn't Yeah, know. yeah, everything good. They, they they put some pictures up on this app from daycare, so today was uh Dress up, nice day. So I was just saying, I didn't get a good look at what she was wearing this morning. Of course, coming in for the morning show, so it's one of her go-to dress-up dresses she's rocking there. Already has paint on her face here. Nice uh, blue paint right nice. above right above the lips. So it looks like everything's going well at daycare. Um, is this a Jeff Saturday reference with this question? Retired players returning to the coaching staff. Are there any that you would like to see? Boy, I don't. I, I, and they don't have to be a former Colt. Oh wow! I mean, I can't say I've given it, you know, a ton of thought. I, I thought the Colts and having Reggie Wayne and Cato June. I know Reggie and Cato are a little bit different. Cato is like pretty committed to doing this full time. I think Reggie's a little bit more of let me see about it. But I thought that was a nice mix. Mike Mitchell on the staff as well. I think that was a good mix of kind of former player. You know, I I do think it's having that right combination of it, Eddie. You know, you don't want to have. Tons and tons of former players. Now, you look at the Detroit Lions coaching staff, and it's a wild coaching staff of former players, of Deuce Staley and Mark Brunel and Aaron Glenn and obviously Dan Campbell being a former player himself. There's some others, I think. D'Amico Ryans. On that on that Detroit staff. But not in Detroit. Right, right. Uh, I think Kelvin Shepard, maybe, is in Detroit. But yeah, D'Amico Ryans, of course. But, you know, it's not like Kyle Shanahan was in the NFL for 15 years as a player. Like, you, you, you have that mix, and I think that is the right thing to do. You know, as far as former Colts, nothing like jumps out at me. Again, part of the Jeff Saturday hire that I would just love is just to see his coaching staff. I just have so much curiosity. I know into what that would look like, who that would look like. Well, we know who might be his OC. Certainly, Dan Orlovsky is making 
You know, he's not being too quiet about his hope and desire to be on that potential coaching staff. I, I don't know how much I said this on last week's podcast, Eddie, but I think it's worth repeating. Now that we're in these second interviews, now that we're getting into Jim Irsay's involvement in the search, one of the things that Chris Ballard said a few weeks back that I just couldn't agree more with was Ballard saying he needed to walk into this coaching search and make sure that he didn't have the end in sight. Yeah. Be open-minded. Yep. Uh, he felt like he walked into 2018 and he had the end in sight. Josh McDaniels. If you look at the quantity of candidates, he certainly has been much more open-minded. My question is, does Jim Irsay have that same thought? Because the end in sight for him, I could argue, was Jeff Saturday. Is Jeff Saturday. Will he be open-minded like his GM? You know, we all have sat there and been in meetings, interviews, whatever, where there comes a time where you look at the clock and you think, what the why am, Bleep. I, why, why am I still here? You can't do that. you got to be open-minded. You don't know who these candidates are. I mean, all of them have gotten to a level of notoriety to some degree for a reason. Yeah. Feel that. See why that has happened there. So, I think if you're a Colts fan, that's what you got to hope for. Ursay listening to his GM. Having that same thought process with this. Let's just hope he is listening. Sure. And letting Chris Ballard do his job. Sure. Uh, because he's paying the man to do it. Uh, Randall is next. He wants to congratulate Frank Reich and Jim Ursay simultaneously for the Carolina Panthers hire. Uh, this means that Ursay isn't on the hook for the whole salary of Frank Reich, correct? And if he gets paid more by Carolina than Indianapolis, Ursay shouldn't have to pay at all. Is that how it works? Also, does Frank Reich uh, finding a job free up cash? for a more high-profile coach to come to Indianapolis. Is this how the door opens for Sean Payton? Thanks for the awesome work on the Kevin and Query Show and your pod. Much love. Thank you, Randall. Much love to you as well, Randall. Very loyal. I appreciate that. Um, You know, Eddie, this is a part of the business that's pretty quiet, pretty complicated, and not as peel behind the curtain as maybe some other stuff. Um, I am assuming that a four-year deal for Frank Reich in Carolina means the Colts are not paying him. And Jim Merce, I should say, is not paying him for the remainder of that four-year deal. I don't know that for sure. Again, contract and languages with coaching contracts, it's very behind the scenes. I mean, Eddie, how many head coaching hires do you see? And how many contracts do you see reported about those head coaching hires? Like, virtually none outside of maybe length. Yeah, not often. Whereas free agents, it's like two years, $16 million and 10 guaranteed, and four on this incentive. I mean, with players and free agency, it's wild, you know, widely known. Um, you know, the last part about does this open Ursay's checkbook a little bit? Again, I think that is important. I would argue it's more ego than anything. Frank Reich not, or uh, Chris Bauer still being here, less to do with finances, but I think it's worth pointing out. As far as the Reich thing, again, I think personally and professionally, it makes a whole lot of sense. He's got so many ties to the Charlotte area. Um, his daughter works for the Panthers. His other daughter, uh, I think all three daughters have lived there at some point, at least two of them. So there's plenty of ties. His brother coaches at Wingate, which is a local college very close to there. That's not where Michael Orr went, right? In the movie? That's where he went in the movie. Really? Wingate. Yeah, I don't know Is if that's really? the actual high school that he went to or not. Well, it, 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 it's a college. It's um, it's like a Division two college. It's yeah. been there for a couple decades. But yeah, right. Wingate. It was a really. Yeah. Okay, I, I can picture it in the in the movie, but totally forgot the. Uh, Why I remember that, I have no idea. I would say this on Reich, Eddie. One thing I'm fascinated about. By the way, he's got a couple quarterbacks that he's been with before: Jacob Eason and PJ Walker down there. Uh, and one that he reportedly wanted and. Sam Darnold. Does Reich have any sort of Chris Ballard quarterback 2023 draft class intel? And does Chris Ballard have any 2023 quarterback draft class intel in Frank Reich? Carolina sits at nine. That's a little bit further back in round one. It's worth pointing out they do have an additional second rounder from the Christian McCaffrey trade. So they've got three picks, I think, in the first 65, whereas the Colts, they got to stretch to like 80-something to get to that third 
pick, that Washington pick there in the third round. So that is a um, that is something I'm really, really curious about. We are up against it, so I'll just finish with this thought. You don't have time for one more real quick? Well, okay, maybe sneak in one more, but I, I do have one on, on Reich before we get to this last question. Okay, it's, it's Zach's. He says, uh, KB, do Whoa, you think— I got, I, got, I got one more thought on Reich here, okay? Okay. You know, Maddie asked me this about— you know what? You know what do you think about Frank Wright getting the job in 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 Carolina, and basically kind of inferring like, boy, doesn't that show you that we shouldn't have fired him? And, and I, I am not going to be somebody that hyper overanalyzes Frank Reich's tenure in Carolina. Like Frank Wright can have a lot of success there, and I don't think that is any reflection on he should have got another five years here or not. How I look at the situation in Indy, so much of it is personnel, and some of it was also coaching. Yeah, that's how I look at it. So sometimes the message gets stale, the process gets stale, and you need to move on. And I think that's that's what happened. I just want to get to this one on this pod. Yeah. Uh, it's from Zach KB. Do you think Ballard was given the option to decline a second interview with Jeff Saturday? Ooh. Is it possible Indy gave him a second interview as a courtesy and to save face for Saturday's sake? Second, instead of mortgaging the future, would you like? Uh, would you think about taking whatever quarterback is available at four, whether that be C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, and taking a swing for the fence at 35 at Richardson totally transform the quarterback room? Thanks. Now, here's my opinion real quick. Anthony Richardson will not last past f- yeah. pick 15. Well, He's starting to gain traction to move up into the top 10 now. Well, I don't think he's last until 35, which is where the Colts are yeah. in round two. Um Again, Ursay was not involved in the first round, so I think that you know there's a part of like he wanted to see Jeff Saturday in a full interview process, hear that full vision. I think that's part of why that. I mean, if you're Chris Ballard, you probably should not deny <laughs> Jeff Saturday or, or or make that too vocal. I'll throw this in, Eddie, before we round out. Again, things will be fluid. We'll see if emergency podcast is coming later this week. We talk about the CEO head coach. I'm a big believer in on game day. I want your responsibilities to be focused on each play. Not calling plays offensively, not calling plays defensively. I need you locked in to each and every play because you never know when one play is going to change the game. Look at the first quarter of the NFC Championship. Devontae Smith, big play on fourth down. Devontae Smith does a hand motion to his Eagles offensive teammates. They know he might have dropped it. We got to hurry this up and get the playoff. Kyle Shanahan calls plays for San Francisco. Opposite sideline, sure, but somehow there was a miscommunication. San Francisco does not challenge that play. Is he too worried about the offensive script to start the game? What like you have got to throw that challenge flag there. It uh, is a fourth down. It's early in the game. I don't care if there were, you know, replay officials that didn't get a look at it up in the booth. You got to throw the flag. Yeah, after the game he said he didn't get the replays they saw in stadium didn't show any of that. He couldn't see and then Devontae he didn't Smith's waste body it. language is enough. And again, True. that's a coach on the sideline that you've got to see that. You flip it, Hassan Reddick with the strip. What does Nick Sirianni do as a CEO, as a guy that's not involved in play calling? He throws that red flag. Those are the things that I think you're looking for in a head coach. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great, great week, and uh, we'll talk to you later on Kevin's Corner.